Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 105 in Edmonton. Hour number two of Oilers Now. Friday edition. Bob Stoffer and Brendan S. Scott joining you. Oilers now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to uh, buy office technology and software. Our next guest won two Stanley Cups. Uh, He's won a Memorial Cup as a head coach. He won a couple Canada Cups. I would suggest his greatest claim to fame is that he's had the privilege of working with Cam Moon, who's one of the great guys in the business for the last 15-plus. Actually, I think it's been about 20 years now for Mooner down in Red Deer. We welcome back to the show the River Cree Resort and Casino uh, owner, operator, uh, GM, head coach, uh, Canada Cup champion, Stanley Cup champion, Memorial Cup champion, Brent Sutter. Hi, Brent. It's Bob. How you doing? Hi, Stop. I'm doing well. Thanks. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, uh, by the way, just a shout-out. I know that uh, John Winwick's been involved with you guys over the last several years, and they had an event uh, down in uh, Red Deer yesterday to support, uh, you know, maybe sort of the unsung hero types, uh, you know, the province, the truckers and that sort of thing. And uh, we have a lot of people listening in Red Deer, Terry Lowen. I know I reach out to him once in a while and get some feedback. So it's super when people are community involved. And we got a lot of people doing that around the province, don't we? Well, we certainly do. Especially, obviously, more now than ever. When and all for the right reasons, right? And we're all in this together, and we all get through it together. But we all have to help each other through it too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, we'll get to the, the the news of the day involving the settlement that's occurred, uh, and just maybe the challenges moving forward for the Western Hockey League. But I'm remiss without uh, the, the 1987 Canada Cup was on. Some would suggest that's the greatest hockey that's ever been played. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. You represented Canada more than once. You played that 87 uh, Canada Cup against the Russians, those three terrific games. Was that the best hockey that you were ever a part of, Brent? You know, I, you know, from a national perspective, I mean, obviously when you're on your own, in your own, on your own club team and, you know, you're playing for Stanley Cups, uh, you know, it, it's different, right? But um, from a national side of it representing your country absolutely um it's hard to even explain because it's it was such a phenomenal ride and there were certainly some peaks and valleys through it and, and yet we stuck with it we believed in each other as a team and we knew we, we were a good hockey team. and we went through that kind of cup to get to the finals and you're playing you know a team from russia that's obviously you could obviously say is with one of the top teams in the world next next to you know, right with 
themselves, right? So you, you know, I, it, just watching it, like I watched all three games this past weekend, and you knew what the outcome was going to be, but I was damn nervous through it all. I was on the edge <laughs> of my like I'm sitting there going like, this is stupid. Like I know what's happening, and yet you're on the edge wondering what's going to happen next, right? And uh, it was it was uh, it was three great games, and obviously game uh, game three to win it all. Mario scoring the goal, got setting them up uh, off the face off with just over a minute left to play. Just climaxed the whole that whole 1987 Canada Cup. Uh, you guys were a big part, guys like you and Rick talking, of getting things turned around when the team was down 3 nothing. And I'll be honest, I was 21 at the time, Brent, watching it, and I was like, and I was a guy that didn't like the Russians in hockey. I admired Harlamov as a player, but I did not like the Russians um, and didn't think they were necessarily completely uh, honest with everything that they did. Uh, but I didn't think you guys were going to come back. What, what, what were you guys thinking on the bench as they go up 3 nothing in that game? Well, you know, that whole series, we were down and, every- and we had to come back. And uh, even when you're down that early 3 nothing, um, you know, we still had confidence and belief that we could still come back. We did it in game one, did it in game two. Um, you know, it was – but we just had to – we had to play a little bit different style, and uh, and Mike rolled the, at that time. You know, so much was up to that point. We leaned on a lot, Mass Gretz and and uh, Mario. Um, you know, Mike Gardner. These guys are top two lines, you might say, and 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 the other guys were strictly were. You know, we obviously all had to adapt and adjust to be, you know, more role players guys that were star players that are on club teams but now this is the role they had on this team and um then we got to that point and it was okay we had the game the flow of the game had to change we had to play differently we had to do some things differently and it was put on the shoulders of the you might say line three and line four to change the the flow of the game and the way things are going to go and um and then i thought that happened and and then it, it it and when all that happened it again it it started freeing up mario Green and mess and those guys to 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 start doing what they were going to do too but you know we had to contribute at the end of the day mike was putting us in key situations too and we got on a roll and you know we we all had done it before with our club team so it wasn't something that was totally new to us. We, you know, we understood the circumstance. We understood how we need to play. And uh, we went out and did it. And we were uh, fortunate enough to score some good goals and big goals and led it to where it ended up with the last minute of the game. You forget how good Krutov is, right? Like he came to the NHL and he, he kind of the joke was he had a body like a 50-year-old sports broadcaster <laughs> in, the, in the NHL. But damn, he he was good in that series on that KLM line. And Messi and Anderson and Gardner had the unenviable task of trying to go against those guys. And yeah. Igor is such a smart player. Like, But Krutov was the one for me. I was like, I don't remember him being that good. He was a hell of a player, Brent. Well, Igor, Igor Leonov was was hurt in that series and played through it, and uh, and Makarov obviously is a world class player too. But Krutov was at a different level, um, you know, just a phenomenal 
unbelievable hockey player. And, they, and, and, those, and with Makarov and Krutov, they had a tougher time when they came over to play in North America. Obviously, haven't played North America style hockey every night in, in a you know, long season in National Hockey League. They, they had a harder time adjusting to that. But uh, I'll tell you what, that, that big five, they were, you know, with Kasponov, Fedosov, Larionov, Makarov, and Krutov. I mean, those guys had played together as a five-man unit for I don't know how many years. Right. So they, you know, they were they were dominant on the ice. Like they were, they were, they knew where to be. And none of these guys, like the Krutov, Makarov, Larionov, they're not they're not six foot three guys. I mean, these guys are all five foot five foot eight to five foot ten guys, and yeah. yet stocky, strong, uh, could skate, skills, uh, nothing seemed to bother them, right? They just played through everything, and they were just, and they had such great chemistry all together. I think they were obviously very special that way, but Krutov in that Canada Cup was uh, was amazing. It was, uh, he was a stud through that whole Canada Cup. We mentioned Messier, and look, I know you won a cup, and you're part of one of the greatest teams of all time, and you won, uh, you were on the team. Uh, you're up for a, a bit of the 80-81 series. You played all of 81, 82, 82, 83, winning Stanley Cups at the Islanders. But today is the 36th anniversary of uh, Mark Messier walking Gordy Deneen, and uh, rifle and one pass Billy Smith, and the Oilers would go on to win 7-2. Uh, Mess scored two goals, and I know that you know Wayne Gretzky thinks the world of you, and Mark thinks the world of you. But could you sense that they were they were coming uh, during the course of that '84 series? Well, listen, they these guys were obviously you know the superstar players, and the game they played the game with such a high pace, and um, you know, and then when we beat them the year before in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I I think they learned a lot through that, being such a young team. And, you know, it's like anything. you want to have to have success, you've got to go through some failures first. And, uh, and when you get to the pinnacle of that, like the Stanley Cup Finals, they learned from from losing the gear before and and understanding what they need to do. And, and, they, and they were... Obviously, elite, right? And and Grant was outstanding in that, with Cough and Kevin on the back end, and on and on and on with their defense. And then you look at their forward group with Masgrets, Curry, you know, like that group, Glenn, um, you know, that that it just goes on and on. And they and then they had the they had the the big guys behind them, the big guys that, that played the game a different way. And uh, and they just in the day they wore us down in that series. You know, winning game one of that. And that was huge for them. In uh, yep. Allen, they won nothing, and uh, and then we won Game Two, and that was the first year they went to the to two, two three, three two, two. yeah, yeah. And the next three games were in Edmonton, and we got blitzed in all three games. And uh, but they were just on fire, and they were really unstoppable. I mean, it was, uh, it was you know, it became such a rivalry between the Allen Oilers, um, but you know from Itself. It was uh, it was a rivalry, but I had so much respect for those guys and uh, played against Mets and Junior A hockey. Uh, I knew what type of player Mark was, uh, you know, and and we're all kind of close to the same age group, right? And uh, so it was when we got into the '84 Canada Cup. Um, you know, there was a lot of Islanders on the team, a lot of Oilers, and you know, and it took some time to bond. It's 
form a team. And once we did, we were, you know, we we obviously won that kind of cup in '84. And uh, but yeah, that daughter team was, you know, they were a great hockey team with great players on it, and great coaching. I mean, Slats Slats did a great job with them. And uh, you know to manage him and control and get him to all play a certain way, and um, but they had such offensive skills and they were always on the attack and so much speed, um, and then they had the heaviness behind it to go with it. Uh, Brent, one thing that's interesting about you, people forget this. You played the last several years of your career with the Chicago uh, Blackhawks at a time in which and the Blackhawks shared the facility with the Chicago Bulls. And Last Dance has been out, the documentary on Michael Jordan. Is there any way you could explain to our listeners, you know, I mean, you're sharing the facility with this guy. I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet Michael Jordan. But what? How big of a deal he was at that time in the NBA? God, you know, yeah. it was. You know, yeah, their dressing room was right across from ours, and you know, we the Bulls around a lot and uh, seen Michael, and uh, um, you know, they would, you know, they they had their practice facility, um, but they'd. Uh, They'd come down on game days and do their shootarounds and stuff like that on game days. Obviously, all the playoff runs that they had at that time, uh, you'd see them quite often. Um, but yeah, that chance to meet them. But you, you know, you got a chance to see the dynamics of that group and to watch them play and to see them now and having a documentary set up on it. Um, you know, there's some crazy stuff in there, right? That that no one know, had known about, but. Uh, you know, you're sitting there going, well, you remember Jerry Krause. You remember what he was like. You remember Phil Jackson. Like, uh, um, you know, so everything's transpiring through that. I mean, that, that team, again, was, was the epitome of the NBA then, right? And uh, and they had stud players. And the Scotty Pippen saga, that, that, when, that, when they were showing that, that was just like yesterday. Uh, yeah. Because it was just constant. It was daily. It was something that uh, that was talked about, and it was in the papers. And it was in the, the fan. Everybody was just, "Is he going to come back? Going to come back? Are they going to trade him?" You know, it goes on and on and on. And then obviously he comes back, and everyone knew the scrumment between you know himself and some players, and with Jerry, and towards Jerry Gross, the, the GM, and um, you know a lot of that brought back a lot of memories. But it was also pretty cool to see some of the behind the stuff that we didn't even know about, and you know, and uh, and probably no one knew, right? And it's kept internally as it should have been. Um, but just the, the whole thing's just just absolutely amazing. It's crazy, and but to see, you know, Michael, I I went and watched Michael play when he was playing baseball. Uh, we were in a lockout. And uh, my neighbor in Chicago was an anchor man for uh, for CBS, and he was good friends with Michael. So him and I flew down to Arizona and spent a weekend with Michael and uh, watched him play three minor league baseball games and got an interview with him and uh, flew back home. So um, got to know him a little bit. He is an icon. He obviously was he was Chicago, right? And uh, and he was the NBA then. 
and he pushed, and he was t- And you know what? The game was different then. It was way tougher, just like it's a microcosm of hockey. All right, let's talk a bit about the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, moving forward, uh, and I look at you guys in Kelowna as two, like if I was fortunate enough to have the, you know, the wherewithal and, and try to build a franchise, I'd kind of look at your two friends, just the markets you're in, the right size. Uh, I, I, you know, Red Deer's a pretty cool community. Uh, I, I don't know where your headspace is at with the challenges moving forward for your league, but there are going to be significant challenges, Brent, aren't there, moving forward for the Western Hockey League as a result of COVID? No question, as there is going to be in our world, right? And, uh, you know, it's going to businesses, period, uh, society in general is going to be, you know, it's going to be looked at differently, things done differently. Um, our business model will be somewhat different. No one really knows to what extreme. Um, you know, who knows what the National Hockey is going to be like, right? Like no one, you know, after going through this, it's just not going to go back the way it was, right? I think there's going to be changes. There's going to be changes in our society and and uh, and how we go about doing things. Even now, you know, you go and talk to people and uh, ask them, you know, they're doing stuff, things different in their business, and they're like, you know what, this is going to be our new way. And and yet, some of them are even saying, we're better this way. It's more efficient. And uh, so, you know, it, it's yeah, it's a new world we live in, and where the, where what happens with with uh, the, you know how the business all works out and stuff. But you're certainly going to have a different mindset. Your business model is probably going to be somewhat different in how you do things. Uh, and you know what? And 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 I've said this all along. It's terrible that's it's happened. There's going to be some good things that will come out of this at the end, and uh, we got to believe that. And we got to stay positive in it, and and there will. But it's, we just don't know what that is going to be like, and uh, and we'll just have to wait and see. Like we just got to like we're like everybody else now on a wait and see mode. And, Brent, one final question for you, and it's a little bit self-serving. Uh, you know I will always care about the Alberta Golden Bears and Ian Herbert's program. Uh, Ethan Saskowitz was your captain this past year, and I believe he is uh, headed to, to go play for Ian, if I'm not mistaken. What can you uh, what can you tell us about, because uh, you guys were in a little bit of a rebuild. I think you had one of the youngest teams in the Western Hockey League, a lot of 16- and 17-year-olds. Uh, what's, what's Ian going to be getting with your uh, captain? Well, there, you know, he's, he really grew into a player this year and um, into a dominant player, like a player that he really just took charge. Uh, and just not on the ice, but off the ice. And with his teammate, uh, you know, when we traded Dawson Barteau at the trading deadline, who was our captain, it was a no-brainer. It sacked the captain to be the captain of the team. And uh, he handled extremely well and played extremely well. Um you know, and now it's on to his next day of his life. He's chosen to go to U of A, and you know, and he knows that you know it's a tough league, and uh, schooling is a big part of it. And and he's good at school. He's a smart kid, um, and so you know, find his way in that league. But it's you know, it's just like it's going to that league is no different than he was basically when he started as a 16-year-old Edger. He started now 20, 20 or 21-year-old in, in U of A now, and. You know, he's going to go through some trying times. And, you know, he's obviously he's not going to speed the ice like he did in, in Red Deer for the first year. But, you know, he's a, he's a great asset to any organization that wanted to, to 
to go after staff and get them to committed to, to come to their program. And U of A did it, and I know I know Aiden is extremely excited about playing for the Golden Bears. Brent, as always, a wide-ranging conversation. We appreciate your time, and we'll touch base later in the summer, okay? Yeah, thanks, Doc. You bet, man. You bet. Take care. That is Brent Sutter, owner, uh, operator, general manager, head coach of the Red Deer Rebels. Interesting stuff with the uh, legendary Michael Jordan. He was there for five of the championships. We think of Brent Sutter mostly as a New York Islander, but he played the large percentage of the uh, end of his career uh, in Chicago playing for the Hawks. Jack Michaels is coming up at one uh, thirty-five today. We'll step out for a couple moments. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brew Crew has texted us on our Ashley Five Floors text line. Bob, it is interesting to have uh, such a good guest as Mr. Sutter. All the Sutters are just gold to hear watching the Jordan documentary. I remember the transfer from the Islanders to the Oilers, and I wonder what today could Connor and Leon and crew take it away from the likes of Sydney and Ovi. It would be great to see this this summer even for Brew Crew. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, back in the 630 Chet Studios, Brendan Escott, you wanted to jump in there on uh, on maybe maybe how we see Brent a little bit differently. Well, for me, I mean, Brent, Brent Sutter's the Red Deer Rebels guy. I mean, we know he's got many a, many a hat that he wears for that organization, but I think of him as the guy behind the bench for the World Junior Team back in 2005, if I'm not mistaken. You yep. know, that that's how I know Brent Sutter. But, but to now be able to see all these old games in the Canada Cup and, and some of this vintage hockey, you know, this, he was a dominant player at, 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 at certainly a serve one, you know, for his time. So interesting, Bob, how you see him differently than I see him in that sense. I, I, I was going to bring it up, but I wanted to get to so many things during the course of that conversation, you know, I hit on six or di- seven different things with Brent. If, it were, if I had been Mike Keenan, I would have put a checking line with Brent Sutter out against uh, Larry Alanoff, Krutov, and Makarov. I would not have Messier, Anderson, and Gartner out against those guys. Messier, Anderson, and Gartner needed to be a soft minutes matchup. They would have dominated that uh, because of their speed. But Brent Sutter, you give him a job, and he would get that accomplished. And he mentioned that Larry Onoff is hurting a bit. Larry Onoff's a terrific player. Brent Sutter, I mean, in 84, Brent Sutter played on that Canada Cup team, came back in 84-85, had 100 points, for the, 100 points for the Islanders. I mean, he was... He was a hell of a player, and he and you know what? He's a setter, so he's competitive. Like he, they, they're not suit. They're not six foot two, two hundred and twenty pound guys. They're five eleven to six one, and one hundred and seventy five to one hundred and eighty five to one hundred ninety pounds, and they didn't take any crap from anybody. And you know. Uh, Brian Sutter was a hell of a player and a really good fighter. Uh, Rich and Ron Sutter, I mean, Richie Sutter came in back in 85 and sniped a couple against the Oilers, and Ron Sutter was a pain in the Oilers, you know what, in the 87 Stanley Cup uh, final. Like, those guys played hard. Brent was probably the best of them, and the connection to Jordan and the Bulls, I was just, I, I mean, that was a pure fluke. Brendan, that that happened, that we ended up getting that out of uh, Brent. I mean, what are the chances that you get? Yeah, well, you know, my next door neighbor was a friend of Michael's, so we went to go fly down and see a play. Uh, based on is a hilarious story. All right, off to a global news weather traffic update right now with Eileen Bell. Back with Jack Michaels. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad.